0: Well, today we, we celebrate the ascension of the Lord. Forty days after Easter, we are told from eyewitness accounts that our blessed Lord ascended into heaven. Now, we, we celebrate this on a Sunday because you know, the, the feast is transferred from Thursday to Sunday in, in, many, in many countries. What does the ascension tell us about God specifically God, Jesus Christ? And what does the ascension tell us about ourselves, human nature, and what God has in store for our human nature? So let's go back and and kind of review um, this understanding we have that the second person of the Trinity who is fully divine who existed from all of time, with the Father and the Spirit, at a given point in human history, took on human flesh. All right, We celebrate this at Christmas, his birth. He takes on human flesh and unites divine nature with human nature. Now, why does he do that? Now, obviously, we we know this has to do with how we're saved, but why does he do it that way? I mean, God could save us any number of ways. Why would he unite himself to a nature of beings that God had created? Why would he unite himself to human nature? When we go back and we think of how sin entered the world, right? Sin entered the world through a man and a woman. It it entered the world through human nature, right? Adam and Eve, our first parents, are created in harmony with God, in union with God, but also given free will. And and that whole Genesis account of the fall uh, speaks to us somewhat poetically and allegorically about how Adam and Eve, our first parents, misused their freedom and brought sin into the world through their act of disobedience, through their desire to be like God, through their sin. So sin enters the world through human nature. Therefore, it is incumbent upon human nature to pay the price for that sin. In other words, uh, you know anybody who is disobedient or or breaks certain rules they deserve punishment for it and so too humanity having sinned against its creator deserves to be punished for that disobedience however our god is perfectly merciful and he doesn't want us to pay that price and and in fact we couldn't how could Finite beings offer a perfect sacrifice to a perfect being. It's impossible. You know, how, how could fallible, sinful human beings, how many would it take to, you know, to be sacrificed to make up for those sins? Well, there's no way that any of us could make a perfect sacrifice to God. But if God became man and took on our nature, then as a man, he could die for our sins, redeem humanity through a perfect act of suffering and repentance. And so the the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, who is the new Adam, is obedient to his father's will as opposed to the first Adam who was not. The second Adam in his humanity united with his, to his divinity, in his humanity is he able to make a, a perfect sacrifice to God, a perfect offering to God, and also be completely obedient to his Father. And so Jesus does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and he does it in our human nature. But that, that's not where the story ends with the crucifixion. Because what needed to happen next was a reunification or a reuniting of our human nature with the Godhead, with the Father. And so the ascension is God, Jesus Christ, continuing to act in our human nature to bring about the fullness of redemption, which is to say... He suffered and he died. He rose again and now he ascends to the Father and he takes our human nature back into union with the Father. For all of eternity, Jesus Christ is both God and man. He is forever united to our humanity, our human nature. Right? And, and uh, you know, we'll be celebrating Pentecost and, and the next step in the Paschal Mystery. But for right now, we focus on how Jesus is taking us, all of us, if you will, back up to the Father. And as he has told his disciples, he's he's going there to prepare a place for us. You know, the Eastern Church, Eastern spirituality, talks about how the, the Christian, by virtue of God's grace is divinized is divinized that is to say that through the power of the holy spirit through the power of god through the operation of god's grace we are made more like god this you know that whole idea of being incorporated into christ being members of his body how does that happen it happens through baptism that we are united to his divinity so the second person of the Trinity becomes man and unites the divine nature with the human nature. He then takes our human nature back to the Father and offers to us a share in that union. It's not that we become God. It's that we're able to be united to his being in such a way that he continues to sanctify us from within so that God's grace inhabits our souls. You remember probably the term habituation, right? That God's grace inhabits us. That's where we get that whole state of grace idea. Am I in the state of grace? Well, it has to do with whether or not grace is in our soul. How do we lose the state of grace? As we're told, by committing a mortal sin? How do we get back into the state of grace? By going to confession. And then the Eucharist is here for us every day and every time that we can receive it to continue to sort of supercharge that grace within us. And the more that that grace stays in our souls, God's own life, the more that we become conformed more and more into who christ and our heavenly father wants us to be so this this amazing dynamic of of god coming down to us and taking our nature onto himself so that he can bring it back to the father so that he continue to offer he can continue to offer us these great gifts and transformation from within indeed This is something for us to be incredibly grateful for.